Welcome back to another episode of So Catch Insider. My name is Ben. I'm Chris. I'm Swiss. And thank you for joining us. We are dealing with the tough questions. Which premium to get? Should I get rid of a 600K player for a guy who's just peaking off a two-week period? It's big questions, and especially it's big, big time because there's money to be had and lost. Ladies and gentlemen, round three is where everything starts to get real, and everyone realizes it's like that you know, Boxing Day sale that's about to end. You've got to get in now because otherwise... Stuff can get real, and you can start to lose money real quick while the competition leads away. Chris and Swiss, thank you for joining us. And um, straight into the back line, I believe, gentlemen. And by back line, I mean make sure you keep us in your back pocket by always subscribe and hit that little ding so that way you're notified every time that we actually release some content. It's the Insider 100, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, all the audio platforms, YouTube as well. Like, subscribe, and donate. Give us shouts, whatever. We love a bit of action, especially... Chris, someone's got to pay for the lap dances for the big man. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. It feels so good when um, you joke. So I suppose we lead this off, Joe, just guy, just saying there's one player you should be looking at trading in, and most people already know who that is, and that's Dacos. Um, how are you getting him in is the question. The reason why people are looking down to get him in is twofold. First and foremost, he's not playing like that inside mid that moves forward. This role that Dacos currently has is arguably the best role in football. He plays a halfback flanker who pushes up onto the ball, doesn't care about being a defender, and then if he doesn't get the ball, floats back in and takes kickouts because, you know, why not? I just need a little bit more touches. It's ridiculous. Like, it's the most ridiculous Supercoach scoring role I've ever seen. And the team is basically structured around providing that for him because he's obviously such a big man. Um, now, couple that with the fact that... Someone tried to tag him and failed miserably. So now coaches are like, okay, so well, if we're going to tag him and we don't get anything out of that, are we we already consigned to losing the game if the tag doesn't work. Where do we sit with it? So now everyone's rushing to get him in. And I personally think he's a must-have. Where are you guys on that? Oh, you've got to get him. Yep. Oh, and, and here's the thing. The, not only that, the, the tagging that failed publicly, by the way, with Higley saying, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe we'll just give him someone to man up because he doesn't like to man up. It's like, well, hey, f- maybe you win the ball first and something might happen for yep. you, Hinkley. Um, For me, it, it's twofold. Number one, I'd be doing anything I can to get to him and I'd be taking shortcuts to do it. And the reason is because he is so highly owned now that the hurt factor is real. Huge. And before it, it was... Uh, I think about 30% or so. I think it was about 32% when he started out. And then it pretty much jumped, I think, about 12.5% last week after one game. 12.5% like, oh, hang on, let's just get on this. Stuart went out and a whole range of other issues. 12.5% jumped on. And now he's already up another 12.5%. So he's gone from 30% to now 57.3% owned and pretty much jumped 25.5% over two weeks. That's crazy. And I don't care how I'm doing it. I am not running up against him when everyone owns him. And yep. yes, you can sort of go and try and play against it and I'll back my premium against him, etc. But he is that highly owned that anytime he goes well, you lose. Yep. And you lose big. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, I don't think he's going to keep averaging you know, those high numbers, obviously, and there will be a downfall. 
but he definitely has the role, the skills, and they're looking for him and has the capacity to continue averaging you 100 to 110. And at yep. that point, and at his price, where I don't think you'll get him cheaper again, and the high ownership, I think it would actually it would be absolutely detrimental to your side, whether you play for overall or in leagues, it would be highly detrimental to your side not to have him in. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the risk of him having dropping a low score is mitigated by the fact that everybody would have him anyway. And the risk is too high to not have him when he goes big. And he's got a huge ceiling. So there's just no point in betting against it. He is the number one correction trade for this week. Whatever you do in your trades, if you do not have Dacos, you plan to get him in first, and then everything else is supplementary to that. That is the rule, in my opinion. I think we would probably all agree with that. Um, Yep. Every single trade I've been looking at has pretty much been getting him in and then seeing what else I can do. All right. So outside of that, who are we trading out of the back line? That's the challenging part. Now, if you have cash in your bank, then it's a bit easier to kind of make some moves in your team. Now, if you already have Darcy Cameron and you have Max Gorn, again, easier because you have options. Now, I've seen a lot of people, Ridley, I've been tempted of just sidewaysing Ridley, a guy, same price, except one of them's just doing better than the other and it just mitigates that risk. So I reduce my risk by just trading a guy who still might do well, but at least he's not going to hurt me. And I think there's a lot of people jumping off the Ridley train and I've seen people getting off Doherty. And Chris, I think you had some really good insight on this that you had on your team pod that I listened to. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, I mean, I looked at that and then went, well, I already had Dacos from last week. But the whole point of me getting Doherty in the first place was his run from round three onwards. And their run for the next five games is absolutely ridiculous. It's why, you, Swizz, it's why you were looking at Crips. This this section is why you want to get on Carlton players. And he's one that could go on. I think if he averages 110 for the season, which is what I think he averages, this next five games, he averages 125. You get off him now and and plan to get it back, get him back at five thirty k or whatever. It's not going to happen, and you've missed all of his scores. And now what you have him for is probably hundred and five average. So you missed five points per game for the rest of the season. It's just not worth doing that, in my opinion. Um, so I'm not sure. I would I would hundred percent stick clear of that. Ridley, for example, I would say, look, if he's the only way to get there feasibly, pull the trigger because you're going to get a massive points gain on that. Um, structurally, I preferred going to three. I'd prefer if, if you had really at your D2 or whatever, getting Dacos to D3 or whatever it may be is probably how I would prefer it, especially because they've got Saints this week and Saints give up points to – like I, I, think he's Everyone. Going one, I think he's going 120 this week. So if he does that and you've just traded out to Dacos – Yes, Dacos might go even bigger than that, and that's fine. But you've now missed out on that 120. So personally, I'm I'd only do that as a last resort. Yeah, I just played around with the idea of like moving out Doherty and Ridley to bring in all three DC, LDU, Dacos. But then, like, there's a potential there. Doherty and Ridley outscore. Well, maybe not as much LDU though, but but as maybe a combination like DC could. He could go back to 100, 510. There's no guarantees he goes as huge as that. And then, you know, like, and as I said, you could put any of those other guys, LDU or whatever, that where Doherty, yeah, we were talking about this run. Like, why couldn't he go 115, 120, if not more? And and Ridley against that, um, yeah, that, that St. Kilda defense. I think 
we do, we do we are very much on you need to get Dacos, and I can see the argument, and I've thought about it myself that Doherty still potentially will drop cash this week, uh, and that with that significant break even, and if he was, if you were to move him out, and he did have another eighty ish game, yes, that that turnaround from going Doherty down to Dacos, make the hundred k, and then um, and obviously probably going to get hopefully points on that. Um, but then the question is, what does that hundred k do to you? For you? If it's if it's going to be meaningless, well, we've always said that it's it's not worth it. But if that means you're getting Fife and you have some extra cash up to DC or or somebody up to LDU or whatever, then that might be the only reason where it's worthwhile. But as you said, we're picking Doherty and, and the Calden players for this period, so that's a that's a big jump. So maybe Ridley um, is probably the one. But if there's other ways to do it. And that's where we were like in the mid price of one going. Maybe it is Callahan. Maybe it is Hopper. Um, and that, especially if he's injured. Yeah, look at other ways to do it outside of trading out premiums. Now, every year there are these ones like your Horn Francis that people get on and, and they fall off a cliff, right? And there is the the old tread lightly. And then we've had years gone by where Ridley started off really well and people jumped on and then people watched him, waited another five rounds and he went up another 100,000 and goes, oh crap, now I need to jump on. I'm looking for the the Thomas engine, like Thomas the tank engine. So the, you know, I think I can, I think I can, the one that just keeps on keeping on and just keeps trucking. The, it's there every year. Marshall was a few years ago where you're watching this guy going, wow, he's pulling out some good numbers and some jump on early and some don't. And then some wait five weeks and go, oh crap, now I'm going to pay up and get this guy. So it's, it's in between that sort of zone where if you jump on early enough, right, starting the season or moving to these people early enough and they keep on, then you look genius. If you switch and change and trade your side to go from one primo to another and go, oh, this one fails, oh, another primo, this one fails, then it becomes really detrimental and not good for your side at all, right? So I put, say, so Dacos I'm putting aside because I think he's literally, he's legit, whereas like Luke Davis Uniaki and also Darcy Cameron are two of those that could keep on keeping on. They could both be that top sort of 10 bracket and LDU with that high ceiling and the good role and how everything's going through him. He is someone that could push that top 10 barrier and just keep on keeping on. I suppose that's a really good segue to the midfield spot um, and how we view those guys. And I think in the midfield, there really is unfortunately a huge, huge lack of premium scoring from midfielders right now, which is sort of, counterpointed by the fact that we've got some mid prices with these amazing roles that are probably overperforming. And so the guys that went mid price strategy, such as us and some other, other guys out there that, you know, went the two, two mid prices, maybe even three or the short midfield. We're looking at structures now where three premium mids was probably the right call. Um, four and lots of forwards yeah. and lots of forward premiums, yeah. which was because they were all lighting it up. So the LDU conversation becomes interesting because if you're trying to get LDU, how are you fitting him in? Because you, you can't trade out unless you're trading out, say, a lead, which I don't think is a viable. I was looking at that last week. Now he comes off a 147. You can't do that now. You're not trading Clary. You're not trading Bont. You're not trading Tom Green. Who are you trading to LDU? The only way is if you'd say restructuring your side. So you're going from a four premium, you've got say a, a McRae, you've got a, you held on a Kelly, you've got a Steel. You know, these are the guys that I'd say, okay, you have to trade them. You're probably at a four or maybe they're your three. Someone like a Steel, regardless, you've got to trade him. 
I'd be the only option really to me is LZU. Now, Roll is King. This is the fourth time I've said that in, in these in this series. And we said in the preseason pod that we didn't think that with the trend of midfielders um, reducing their CBA numbers to play you know, more through the midfield and play more numbers through there, we thought that LDU would be one to drop off and therefore scoring would drop off. That has not been the case at all. They're, they're playing him as an 80% or more. I think this week was 88% CBA midfielder. Huge. So there's no reason to suggest that his numbers are going to drop below an acceptable standard, which would be, say, what, 115 is now where I think he's at. Now, you do have to sort of put that into perspective. If he's averaging 115 for the year, he's already had two 140s. Technically, he's only at 111 for the rest of the season. I actually did the math on this. But 111 for the rest of the season for 550K is pretty amazing anyway. So I would take that and run with it if that's what you're looking to do. But I don't think he's one that you're like, I need to get him over Dacos or I need to get him in as a POD or I need to rejig my structure in my entire midfield with all of these other mid prices at a really good value to try and get him in. So is he a must have for me? No. But if you have one of those other three guys, so you've got Steele or McRae or, uh, or Kelly, he's the one that I'd be looking to go to. Ben, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, and same reservations with the two high scores that he has at the moment. I feel the exact same way with Dacos, but again, the flip side on the high ownership, and I still think you'll average 100 for the rest the, of the that's year. That's so, the difference, yeah. Yeah, the difference. And um, I, I definitely do like him um, as that option. If I was already three deep and he'd be my fourth, I'd probably consider one of those other mid-prices to then free up some cash elsewhere. I think you're, um, you're, I still you're like pretty frequently though. three deep, maybe even four. Hmm. I'm three. <laughs> yeah, um, just depends though. Not... Not all the way. Sometimes you get up to <laughs> here and other times, like the third or the fourth, you kind of. That's a visual joke for those playing home. Um, Switch onto YouTube, you'll see. Wow. That. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it reminds me of Paddington. They call me Knuckles. <laughs> Knuckles McGee. Is it Knuckles McGee? What do they call Wow, him? it's got late and they definitely all of a sudden call him Knuckles. the crash comes out. Apologies. Hey, that's a that is a child's movie reference for which is I don't know if that makes it better. No, it makes it much, <laughs> much worse. So oh, much okay. worse. Uh, <laughs> all right, um, Swizz, your thoughts on the midfield guys and LDU? I, I assume that you also think that he's probably the only one that you'd be looking to trade into. And is there anyone else that's caught your eye as well? And um, that that's literally the only one, and it's. The case, I think people who have maybe your Neil McRae, um, Jack Steele definitely have oh, probably Neil been as well a little, probably one. Yeah. little bit more blessed with um, the fact that they can make this potential swap to LDU. Um, if, yeah, if you want to kind of, if you're worried, now I hate trading premiums, but just because of the amount of cash these guys are looking like leaking. But yeah, if you've got an injured player, um, you've like gone or as we've said, yeah, or, um, or steel, it's actually kind of worked out with you because you're more forced to trade. Where we're sitting there talking about, do I really want to upset my team by trading either, say, a Doherty, or I think in your case, say, a Wits, for example, to potentially get one of these guys in? And that's a bigger decision because we know these guys can still go score just as well as bringing in an LDU. So, what am I getting by doing the trade? Probably maybe for Doherty to LDU, I'm making it's a cash. Thing, but with premiums, we don't usually worry about the cash. You know, they're premiums for a reason. And that, unless I'm 
I think Doherty might drop to say 520 and LDU just might keep going and price himself out. There is a world where LDU could go 120 for the, for the season and becomes a must have. And if you haven't got hold of him and he's average, you know, he's priced at 650, 660. Um, yeah, I don't know where you go from there. So it works both ways. Um, and there's a risk attached to both. So I'm considering both options, but yeah, I don't think outside of that, there's there's no other options I'd be looking at. The thing that's underrated as well, going into the season, we're like, wow, we have such a high amount of, you know, premium mids and the top 10 was kind of a little bit open once we got out of that five or six, right? Yep. So you still got Laird, Oliver, I reckon Neil and Tuke will definitely bounce back through it. Mills has question marks about now. Bont's obviously skyrocketed. So that's still five really good players. And then you have three more on your field. Maybe Green's already in one of those. Now McRae's kind of really dropped off. Petrucca's hit and miss. Merritt as well. Brayshaw's definitely dropped off. Hewitt, Cripps, you know, Cripps is going okay, right? But then Parrish is probably the only other one that sort of stands out outside of LDU, yeah, which means no that way. there is actually, there's more room now that we, than we thought there was, yep. which is why I also think it's more of a viable play now because of, you know, Mills playing different roles and dropping off and McRae playing different roles and dropping off and Petrucca with the more time forward in that variance. Merritt and Parrish are put in a similar boat where one, you know, one or both could do it or get close enough. Brayshaw, while Frio aren't winning, so we already picked a downturn in his average in the preseason. We said he probably drops a little bit. Um, so that really does leave just LDU. Yeah. Or to mix okay. it with the tens. I mean, the only other one that I actually really, really like, but I'm probably going to hold because he's going to drop a little bit of cash, is Josh Kelly. I loved his game, and I know that obviously people are now really scared off because of the concussion. Um, but I that could have been a 150. Easily, like there's that, that first quarter could have been fifty points if he, you know, halved those contests instead of got four clangers in a row. Um, he was on track for an absolute monster score before he got concussed, and and I'm waiting for him to be available to be able to trade him in. So I'm hoping like round five, round six, he'll be like five fifty k, and I can bring him in. So that's another one, but um, probably one a little bit later. Um, you did mention wit Swizz. So we'll just move on to the ruck line. I think that um, it's a contentious point at the moment, mainly because driven by one guy, some people love to call Shrek. Other people like to call the worst super coach player of all time. Um, Sean Darcy. For those guys that didn't, who didn't, don't know and don't own Sean Darcy, he scored, I think, in the low 50s um, after having a negative five at halftime, was it, guys? Yep. Um which and complete roll flip. So his ruck time went down to, I think, just over 50% with Jackson's coming right up to, I think it was 42%, um, maybe even higher than that. I'll have to look to confirm that. So we've had a roll change and an absolute massive drop-off in, um, in, in scores. Um, I would 100% be getting off. I own him for the last two seasons, and I hate owning him. I said earlier today in a chat, he is the Zach Butters of the ruck line. And what I mean by that is he cops a knock invariably every single game and he limps to the finish line. And, he, you know, he'll play through and he probably plays 20, 21 games a year. But he's, I reckon he's injured in half of them. And he just manages to just, oh, just, yeah, whatever. Tape it up, she'll be right. And he runs out there and just has games where he just performs absolutely shit. Um, he he does looks have, heavy. He looks like he's yeah. carrying a tie with him. He always looks like that. That's how he's looked. Like that, that's him. 
but he can also go 180 on any. And he's game. guaranteed to go like 150, 160 this week if Nick Nat doesn't play. Right. 100%. But, he'll, he'll rebound with that. But the following week is then. Yeah. Yeah, same it's issue. just like, well, well, why would you do it to yourself? And that, and that's where people are looking at going, I don't want to trade him because I know he's going to smash West Coast. Like, it, it's just, it's on no, the cards. Trade him anyway. Trade him uh, while you've got He'll yeah. still drop cash, uh, though, surely. That's the problem right now. If you don't, it's not about this week because, yeah, okay, you might miss the most points this week, but he drops cash. You're going to be in the same situation the following week and you're going to miss out on the chance of either A, going down to DC or getting English. And that's or the which, thing, is it? Well, which, is all, which is as solid yeah. as you can get, but yeah, English. Yeah. And, nah, and English DC is. Wits is serviceable, but English is a standout oh, if you standout. don't have him, and no, DC is the standout forward option for cash point. Yeah, Chris. I would say that, yeah. Except, remember when you're trading in English, you're not trading him in just that. You're probably trading yeah. him out at some point too. So, hey, if you got Radaglia, that's problem solved, then, isn't it? That's why you I mean, have Radaglia. Is that what you said, Chris? Games yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can never yeah. be. You can never tell. And I know uh, you've had this discussion because that's why I have I have wits because he's the reliable 22-game, 110 ruck that sits there. Now, I'm not against still getting DC of that, uh, but because I think, yeah, and I was toing and froing with that in the preseason as it is. English trading in worries me because I did it last year. He does this, and as you said, you know, two weeks, three weeks, he's probably going to miss a week concussion. Just what he does, unfortunately, just the way he plays. I think he looks amazing. He does look watching amazing. Engl- watching English in the first two games this year compared to watching English last year, I feel like he is actually better, which to me is quite scary. And I didn't see enough of him preseason and he had the limping and the rest of it. Now, if you have another bona fide premium, then yeah, I think you, you're not going to sideways a premium to a premium. You just kind of sit and hope that obviously they're close enough to, to stack up. Now, we'll go into DC, Chris, because... Uh, was it Darcy Cameron for the pies? Because you're actually considering something a little bit surprising. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe we should put a is label on the front of this. It is, yeah. It's on my um, – check out our YouTube channel where I actually de- go into detail about what I'm doing and trading out wits. Uh, so I started with him and I'm now moving him on. Part of it is structure-related, but um, part of it is the resurgence of Darcy Cameron. So him coming in as a 70-30 ruck split, which is what the current split is at Collingwood, changes things dramatically because he's now the, the designated number one ruck as opposed to a 50-50 split, which was really hurting his scoring ability. And the reason why is because Darcy Cameron doesn't necessarily always, to always score from his taps. Don't get me wrong, he does do that, but he's not the greatest percentage paid out to advantage ruckman. He gets it from being around the ball, his clearances, his contested possessions, and his contested marks around the ground. That's how he's And scored. tackles. Yes. He got tackles. Yeah. So that is how he's, if he's not around the ball, he's not going to be able to score. Now, he, with the numbers prove that he's actually a viable, say, uh, probably 100 to 105 average player if he gets that 70% ruck time. Now, that puts him, because he's a forward, as a viable forward option at F6, because he's probably in that point, and like the, a top six forward. Um, so for me, I was like, okay, well, if that is to continue, and I do believe that it does, especially the way the pies are playing, if the pies weren't, didn't just dominate the reigning premier in Port Adelaide back-to-back games, he'd probably be rethinking it, but that gives me confidence to go, okay, they know now the winning setup. They know now what they need to do. It's going to be 70-30 for the remainder of the season, hopefully. Um, 
So if you can continue that, the worst case scenario is he becomes F6, which is probably what I do eventually anyway, because we've also obviously got now Max Gorn. So Max Gorn owners, you know, went out on zero. They're going to have to trade him out to someone. Is that they can trade to anyone, which is one of the benefits of it, price locking out, of course. Um, so they've got options. But if they go all the way down to, say, DC, they can re-pick up Max Gorn in, say, round eight-ish, round nine, depending on when he gets back and after he drops cash. And Max Gorn, we've, we can then see him for a couple of games, see what his production's like, see what he's, he's about. Could Max Gorn still be R1? We won't know until you know further on down. But if that's the case, we could pick up R1 for 500K. And if you have English or if you have Wits or you have an, a Sean Darcy or whatever at that point, are you really considering going to like at round eight downgrading to a Max Gorn? Probably not. You're probably just going to, you know, ride the gauntlet with whoever you've got. The guys who have DC who can flip him forward all of a sudden get an advantage because now they can put in Max Gorn into the truck. So it is yeah. a play structurally and looking forward into the future to see how that goes. But um, yeah, I, I really like DCs in that game. Especially if you're playing for league wins as well. When you talk about ceiling, Max Gorn, huge ceiling. DC is very serviceable. So if everyone else has gone like Marshall and, and English or whatever, then that would be a very viable play to then try and buy you a point of difference against your opponents, particularly at the end of the year. Now, if someone's on English and you get in Gorn cheaply, they're not going to, as you said, trade out. And you probably won't know who wins that until it's kind of too late. So, you know, if Gorn absolutely spuds, then it's like, okay, well, obviously you're in it, you trade him out. If they're going to hold whoever they have, and you're not going to know until you know, six to eight games later as to like, oh crap, I should have got Gorn or oh crap, I'm kind of glad I held. And I think that's where the point of difference comes in and it's a different angle when you're trying to pick up people cheaply as far as a premium, uh, it's definitely a viable option to consider. And um, obviously the other consideration is what are you doing with that cash? So you, know, you get a 150, if you can get a Dacos, you know, I mean, personally, I'm getting a Warple over a F, yeah, D6, so Constable playing them on field instead. Like that's a huge upgrade. If you, what are you doing with that extra cash you can do? And is the points better or less? And in most cases, it's probably going to be better if Darcy Cameron holds. So this is all in the pretext that Darcy Cameron has to be a 100-point player in round eight. Now, if he's only going 90, he's not going to be, this whole thing falls to pieces. So it's a pretext that 100 averaging Darcy Cameron is what we're going for. So yeah, something to think about. Um, but I would, and I suppose for the record, I'd 100% be trading out of Darcy. I don't care who he's got this week. I'm not copying that drop. I'm taking the cash from DC this week. Um, or I'm going up to a, a English or a Wits. Um, but I, I'm not copying that with Darcy. I'm, I'm out of him. Not only that, they actually play. Um, so Richmond, so they've got Richmond, Brisbane, Saints, Essendon, Adelaide, Sydney, GWS. Carlton North. So like it's not this huge, like the strongest rock line. So I mean, I know the big O can be tough, but he doesn't get he's not nimble around the ground. Um Nank's not too bad, but sort of same where he can be burnt, you know, on the ground as well and link some points. Marshall's really good, but again, he gets a lot of his points around the ground. Um Draper, don't even get me started. Adelaide, you know, hit and miss as to who they use, etc. Sydney, I don't know if Hickey will be back, so it'll probably still be Laddams or whoever else is there. Probably scores really well. GWS as well. Yeah, not too bad, but definitely get scored against. So I think there's definitely a lot of scope for him to actually continue. And all those teams as well. I think Collingwood, absolutely, you know, 
when you go through it again outside of Brisbane, obviously they lose to Brisbane every time of the week. But the other teams there, Saints, Essendon, Adelaide, GWS, Carlton, North, West Coast, like Collingwood's absolutely going on a massive run. And I hate to say it, but it's huge. Chris? Uh, something to keep note of um, is two things. First and foremost, Collingwood have completely flipped the way that they've played. They, um, last year they were the 17th contested ball winning side and this year they're the first so far and that's coincided with a massive jump in supercoach scores they actually now winning much more of the supercoach pie was the last year we didn't have a single player average 100 outside of Brady Grundy which is six games um, that's completely flipped they actually were winning 1900 points the last two weeks very very different and that a lot of that is the fact that they're winning a contested ball now now so, so they're winning the pie which means there's more points to say a Darcy Cameron example that's one thing. Second of all, we do have to be wary because we do know that Richmond is Mason Cox's bunny side, so he could go 150 and then completely right off this. <laughs> Good thing it's not uh, that time of the year, end of the year. Um, um, final yeah, final so, thoughts, Wiz? Yeah. I'm, I'm seriously considering DC as well, but for me it's putting DC in the forward line. I'm more likely to trade Doherty over Wits and run that as a pod versus Chris. If Chris is going to run Doherty, I'm I'm thinking running Wits and let's see how maybe that plays out. Um, and, and one more way because, to differentiate our teams. <laughs> and, because, and more because, as you said, long-term structure thinking, Gorn coming in. Mine is, do I really need the extra defender at the moment if JC and Sheasel both pick up defensive status? Um, yeah, is my defense going to be too overflown then? And maybe moving a defender out, yes, cop the fact that I'm going to have to have, well, it's not even a cop because I'm bringing in Dacos anyway. And then that cash is getting me, you know, up to DC. So that's where my thoughts are at the moment. That could still change, but um, I, I'm not losing anything in my structure in the back line and improving by taking, you know, a rookie off field um, to get, you know, DC on. And it also does have a flow on effect as well. If you're already three deep in that defensive line or after this week, three deep in the defensive line and you've got let's say Jones and Jinby and McKenna and all these other players as well, then how are you getting in bows next week That's to then only point. have him play? But then how are you going to have him only play three weeks before you get DPP? And then you're like, Oh, wonderful. Now I can actually throw all these people back in the defense. Oh, now I'm actually full. It all ties into the same kind of strategy and philosophy in your team. Because if you're going, okay, I've got Jones and you're going to try and trade Jones to someone else because he's not doing well, that makes one thing. But otherwise, I'm going, okay, can I get away with two premium defenders still and then get Bose next week and then be able to bring in a you know Z-ball into my defense and just take one across? And then that'll help me out to allow that swing and, and flexibility through. So that's what you want to be thinking about between now and next week to at least those options so that way you don't handcuff yourself or back yourself into a corner and then go, oh, I can do it, but now it's actually not going to be beneficial to my team because I kind of sabotaged myself last week. Chris? Yeah, so uh, I anticipate, I mean, hopefully getting bows, but let's let's see how that plays out. And I'm one that does have three premium defenders and Zeeble and Sheasel. My plan is only putting one back there and then hopefully allowing DC to come forward at that appropriate time. But you've got to remember that those rookies in the back line are probably the ones that make the cash the quickest and probably the ones that we trade out first. So if that's the case, I might get rid of a, uh, a McKenna in, say, round six, round seven, depending on what the break-evens look like. You know, one, if he's already appreciating cash, 
then I can just get rid of him early to a premium in another line. And I don't necessarily have to get a defender rookie to cover him. I put a guy back and then reshuffle around and get a forward rookie or a mid rookie instead. So there are other options. You're not restricted with that. And that I'm not worried by that at all. It just adds more flexibility. Yeah. Well, I'm too deep in the defense, but you know, say if it's Dockety out, Dacos in, yeah, okay, I'm still in that same structure. But if I was to keep Finn Callahan one week and Bose goes really well, that's going to be a straight swap. Callahan's cash that he would make this week would actually, um, yeah, I could get Bose in. And then it's, yeah, that that back line all of a sudden, it's like Bose, Jones, and then those other two with McKenna and, and, and whoever, one of them becomes Zeeble or Sheasel come round six. So it does, it I probably am just looking at that, depend, but it's it's hard to make a judgment on Bose because what happens if he was to go down? But you know he's um, I think everybody's got to think about that, and you're and you're thinking long term structure. So whoever you trade out, but and it's much easier if you have an injured player or someone like Darcy, as we said. But if you're looking at the premium and a lot of people are talking about Doherty Ridley, if you're only one or two deep, maybe have a rethink about that and see where else maybe you're a bit fuller on. And maybe somebody from that line goes instead. Um, I'm also worried about the rookies coming in because there wasn't much in the preseason and now we've gone fairly thin in a lot of areas. So I'm hoping someone stands up. Where's the real Sim Shady when you need him? Because mm-hmm. we we need someone to stand up. And that's everything is null and void until – and I know they always come during the season, but I'm definitely a little bit wary that's that we might have said. to hold some people <laughs> a little bit longer. Um, that wraps us up for all of our segments and it's definitely a bit of a long-winded one because there's a lot of unpacking. The amount of messages we have received is crazy. Asking similar situations, who I should get rid of, look at my team, lots and lots. I don't know about you boys, lots of photos of teams. Like, help me fix this. Or I don't know where to prioritize. So hopefully this has given you some reassurance or some understanding on where you should probably focus you, your money, focus your attention. Chris, if people want a guide on like how to get the perfect team, I, I can just post my team up on the page and then everyone can just trade into that. That's fine. That's Whoever. what's been happening. Anyway, that's what everybody's doing anyway. So that's literally what's happening. Well, everyone wants the best format and um, a lot of them are looking very similar. So yeah. look, it is what it is. I suppose and pretty when you're much, ranked in the top 500, I mean, what else is there? What are you Swiss just quickly? <laughs> I know my NRL rankings about 1200. Uh, I think my super coach rankings 5,000. Off the top of my head. Okay, and I'm 1115, so pretty yeah. much not too bad. It's, a, it's um, only because you took the uh, the witch captaincy first week and I led. That's literally the difference between you and I, Benny. Um, I only want to hear success stories here, yeah. Swiz. <laughs> what are you, Chris? Um, Don't give me excuses. Well, give me results. He's five, he's, 500. Yeah, 500. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so Grimo's what, 100 spots ahead of you? Maybe yeah. we'll get Grimo to put his team up. Copy that. Real team. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's, all, it's, all, it's all much to much. Anyway, so that, look, that, that wraps us up. And... We all know the real fun does start from here. Once the prices change, once everything gets going is pretty much where the upgrade starts. So it's not surprising a lot of teams are trying to change to the latest data and change to the teams with winning strategies. And we just have to accept that fact that we are now slightly ahead of where they are because we have already started that way. Um, Anyway, that's it from us. Let us know how you're tracking. Let us know what you are doing. And if you have enjoyed this content as well, Swizz myself will be putting in a team reveal stuff tomorrow night. Do some live, do some other cross sections there and premieres. So do comment, shout, and join. And that's it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate Thanks, you. Guys. Bye.
The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. 